Every day, we face challenging circumstances that are accompanied by difficult decisions. We have the choice to respond by faith, or we can let doubt dictate our decision-making. And the response we choose determines the type of seed we sow, a seed of fear or a seed of faith. The seed we sow determines the fruit we produce, and the fruit produced reflects the person we are. When we react in our own strength, we plant unhealthy seeds that produce fruits of the sinful nature. Bitterness, misery, worry, and frustration. Harshness, evil, dishonesty, violence, and indulgence. These choices prevent us from becoming the person God created us to be and growing in our relationship with Him. When we choose to trust God, we plant seeds that open our hearts to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We reflect the image of Christ to the world and experience the very nature of God in our lives. Though we do not have the power to produce this good fruit, we do have the choice to plant good seed. A seed of fear or a seed of faith? What seeds will you sow? So love works. It really does. I know that's hard to imagine, especially when we we live in a temporary world that is full of anger, that's full of resentment, bitterness, things like murder, injustice. But love really works. That's what we're told. And that's what we're told not only by God himself, but that's what we're told by the Apostle Paul. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in the scriptures that not only do we have the capability to love, but that God was so brilliant and so genius when he created us that he gave us the fruit of the Spirit so that we not only could love, but we would have the extra added power that we needed to live out that love among one another. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is very, very intentional about backing up his people with the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we've been talking about over these past few weeks is the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about love, joy. If you know it, say it with me. Peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if we're Christ followers, we don't only have access to the Spirit. Scripture tells us that we have the ability to walk in the Spirit. Pastor Jack a few weeks ago talked about what does it really mean to walk in the Spirit, and today I'm going to touch on that a little bit, but then we're going to go a little bit deeper, and I'm going to promise you at the forefront of this that I am going to stretch you today, and I am going to press your boundaries spiritually. So just be prepared. We're going to have fun. Smile. Come on, people. All of you look like you're ticked off right now. (laughs) Maybe it's because I'm preaching. I don't know. (laughs) But this is good stuff we're going to talk about this morning. 
See, in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus tells us that the will of God is to bring heaven to earth. That's his will. A lot of times we pray and we ask for the will of God. We ask questions like, what is God's will for my life? What would it be that he has me to do? It's simply bringing heaven to earth. And the way we bring heaven to earth is by living out and demonstrating the fruit of the spirit in our everyday lives. So we have to understand, we have to get this perspective of what is really going on in heaven so that way we can bring it here to earth because we have that ability. We're totally capable of that because of who lives within us, which is Jesus Christ. So we have to understand that if joy exists in heaven, then we can bring it here to earth. If patience exists in heaven, then we can bring it here to earth. That means that impatience is temporary, but patience is eternal because impatience does not exist in heaven, but patience does. And everything within heaven is eternal. So that means that anger is temporary and that it isn't supposed to last here because joy is what replaces that. And so where there is goodness in heaven, we bring that to earth. And therefore, things like selfishness are temporary and not eternal. But that's the will of God that he has for us. And our job is to bring heaven to earth. So when we become impatient with other people, it is our job to immediately remember what is in heaven and bring that down to our reality and then live out that patience with them. What this tells us is that kindness and goodness are expressions of generosity to those not deserving. See, that changes everything for those of us who are Christ followers. See, maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and you say like, hey, I don't know Jesus. I just wanted to stop in, check the place out, kind of get a feel for things. That's great. We are excited that you are here. And so maybe for you, you're thinking like, I don't have to be generous to anybody. I don't have to be kind to anybody. And I totally get what you're saying. So, but in a moment right now, I'm, I'm just going to talk to those who are, who are Christ followers. And I'm going to say to you that, that this changes everything for us because when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, we can no longer withhold our kindness and goodness as we feel like it. Things change. And it gets a little bit harder because then Jesus says, oh, by the way, not only are you not allowed to like not withhold your kindness and your gentleness and your peace and your patience, but you actually have to give it over to those that you don't think are deserving of it. Ouch. So I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. And we're going to dig into that in, in a few minutes. But right now, what we know is through, the, through experience and what we know through the scriptures is we know that God is the kindest person that we have ever met. And he is good. Think about that for a moment. Think about somebody here on earth that you know personally that you would say, man, when I think about that person, they're just the kindest, sweetest individual that I know. I just love being around them. Think about it for a moment. 
Or think about that person that you say, oh my goodness, you know, they're just so good to me. Every time I'm around them, they're always good. Now take that image and just magnify it. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, so much that your brain starts to hurt because that's where God exists. He exists in that place where our brain starts to hurt when it starts to feel like jello and it, it no longer has form and everything's wiggly and wobbly and, and we're just like, oh, I got to stop because I can't take it. That's where God exists because he's way beyond us, but that's how good he is and how kind he is. So I'm going to ask you, I, I want some examples how good is God to you? Just shout something out. How good is he in this section? He's a healer. He's good because he heals. What about over here? He provides. Somebody else said something else? He's merciful. What about over here in the gallery? He's faithful. What about over, over in this area? I won't go section by section, but, but shout some things out. How is God good? He forgives, he blesses, he's gentle, he provides redemption. Absolutely. These are just not even touching the tip of the iceberg of how God is good. Like we would, if we could and we had the opportunity and we didn't work jobs and we didn't have families, we, I, I, I'm sure we could stay here day after day, night after night, just declaring how God is good and how kind God is to us. Because he provides and he protects and he gives, he loves, he's gracious, merciful, sacrifices, releases favor, he heals, he reveals, he advises. Just we could go on and on and on. So this morning we're gonna talk about his mercy and his goodness. And what does that mean for us to live that out? We get the definition of goodness in the scriptures not just in Galatians, where we're going to go in a few moments, but all the way back to the book of Genesis. Actually, in the book of Exodus. Uh, in Exodus, Moses has this amazing encounter with God, literally face to face. And Moses and God are, are on this mountain, and they're talking, and they're having this discussion about the Israelites. And all of a sudden, like, Moses just, you know in a sneaky manner, he just kind of throws it in there in the midst of the conversation. He's like, oh yeah, and by the way, show me your glory. You know, if you read the text, they weren't talking anything about God's glory. Moses was concerned about some other things and what was going on with Israel and him and God are, are having this dialogue, which I would just love to even be a rock that was present at the moment or a bug and hearing what was going on. But Moses, in this slick way, just throws in and he goes, oh, yeah, and by the way, do you mind showing me your glory? And I love God's response to this because this gives us a definition in the Bible. And he says simply this, Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. Notice God didn't say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cause my Shekinah glory. We, we use that word Shekinah, that, that tangible presence of God, that, that glory cloud that when God shows up, there is this presence about him that comes and, it, and it's like a thick cloud that we have experienced, that it comes and it just causes you to, to not even stand in his presence. You actually, 
you, you just, you, your body can't handle it. You just lay prostrate before the Lord. That's how intense his presence is. But this is, when he says my glory, he's talking about a glory that is not a once in a while event. It is a continuous lifestyle that Moses is talking about here. And he says to God, show me your glory. And God says, sure, I will show you my goodness and I will cause it to pass before you. We have that same access that Moses had because of the Holy Spirit. We have the same access to that, that goodness of God, which this tells us that we are keepers of his glory. Think about that. We're keepers of God's glory. We are keepers of his kindness and his goodness. Now, I'm not saying we're keepers of his Shekinah glory, because I just explained that a moment ago, but we are keepers of his glory in general. And so therefore, if we're keepers of his glory, which is we are keepers of his kindness and his goodness, then we have it on reserve all the time because it's within us. We just have to be willing to pour it out. The Holy Spirit is constantly giving us revelation of God's goodness and kindness to us. It's everywhere we look. And the way God works is at first, he teaches us and he talks to us relationally. But then eventually the talking stops and he acts on it. And he puts us into places where he teaches us how to act in goodness and how to act in kindness. And then he moves with us consistently until our expectations become his. That's his goal. That's his will. When this happens, our thinking begins to change. So how we think about other people should begin to change. Our attitude in our heart begins to change. So the way we perceive people in here, the, the, the bitterness and the anger and the judgment that has once been resident in our hearts begins to change. So not only does our mind and our heart, but then our speech begins to change because our heart has been affected in our mind. And so now we are able to pour out that kindness and that goodness in our words. Everything has changed. Now, I understand, like, this isn't like some, you know, massive powerhouse message this morning about, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit and, you know, the worship of God and this awestruck, awesome, cool things. We're going to talk about God today. And you may be like, you know, well, you know, kindness and goodness. Uh, well, I wish I would have slept in this morning, you know. Uh, kindness and goodness. You think we can get out early for lunch? Like, you know, like, tell me something cool. Let me tell you what. What I give you today is of the Spirit, and it's going to rock your world. And let me tell you what, it is a fantastic weapon to use against the enemy, and at the same time, a fantastic supply and surplus to use to advance the kingdom. So you just sit tight and buckle up. When our thinking and our behavior and our view and our speech begin to change, when that happens, his kindness and goodness motivate us. The kindness he has shown to us should motivate us to have this deep inner yearning to pour out goodness and kindness to everyone we encounter. And I want you to think about that a moment. 
I'm preaching to myself this morning just as much as I am to you. This was a very, very hard message to write. (laughs) The kindness and goodness that God lavishes on us 24-7, think about that for a moment. It never stops. He never withholds his kindness and his goodness to us. It is always present. And he wants us to come to this place that we are so motivated so deep down in with kindness and goodness that he shows to us that, that we just want to give it out 24-7, that it just seeps out of us even to those who don't deserve it. You're like, oh man, I was following you until you got to that last part. <laughs> even to those who don't deserve it. We should be so overwhelmed by the Father's goodness and kindness to us, that even though to those that, that irritate us, to those that we hate, to those that upset us, we should just want to like give it out to them too. Back in New Jersey, I have this friend, his name's Fabio, not the guy with the long wavy blonde hair. His name's Fabio, and him and I became extremely good friends. And Fabio and I have become really good friends, so much that, you know, your family's my family, my family is your family, we would take care of each other, no matter what. We have been through the darkest of times and the greatest of times. And there was something about Fabio that I could never get. He understood the kindness and goodness of God so much that he would just give it away to anybody, people he didn't even know. He had the spirit within him of the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't a gift. Some people are like, well, that's a, that's a gift of the Lord, you know, the gift to give. And no, no, no. This was just out of the spirit of God, this deep yearning inside of this man. He would meet total strangers, and he would just ooze with kindness and goodness in word in the things that he would say to them. He would ooze with kindness and goodness, sometimes with resources, Sometimes he would look at the resources that he had and he would say, you know what, let me, let me help take care of you because, because I have this ability that God has given me, so I'm going to do this, and he would need to take care of them. I remember one time that, that Fabio, I, I remember walking with him through this situation. There was a gentleman that had, that had come out of, of, a, of a center of addiction, and he was rehabilitating at the time, and he, he had a, a past that was a little bit different. And Fabio, out of the goodness and the kindness of his heart, he's like, the guy doesn't have a place to live. You know what? I'm going to bring him to my house. And inside of me, I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out, time out. Like, you have, like, two girls, you have a wife, you know, all this. And I remember Fabio and I walking through this, and Fabio extended himself with such kindness and goodness that he was like, somehow we're going to get this guy a house. We're going to get him a bed. We're going to get him, you know, toiletries and all these things. And he just began to think of all these things. And, and that was something that Fabio showed me just by what he did. This amazing demonstration of kindness and goodness. And I was cool with that. But then there came a point where there was somebody who had wronged Fabio. And if you wrong Fabio, you wrong me. That's just how we roll. (laughs) 
And so when Fabio was wronged in the situation immediately inside, I'm like, that's wrong. That's not right. How could they do that to you? Man, they need to pay. Boy, I tell you, what are you going to do? Are you going to talk to them? You need to lay the law down with them. You better get on that. And he looks at me and he smiles as he stirs his espresso because that's what he drank all the time. And he's just sitting there and he dings the spoon on the side of the, of the cup and he puts it down and he says, Jason, I know what I'm going to do to this man. I'm like, yeah, you tell me. Like, you tell me. You got the backo out back? Let's go. You know, just kidding. No, I'm not. No, yeah, I am. <laughs> so anyway, I say to him, I said, well, yeah, what are you going to do, Fabio? He goes, I'm going to love him like Jesus. And then I give a little sarcastic chuckle. And I said, no, seriously, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to be kind to him. And I'm going to love him. And I'm going to be patient with him. And I'm going to display the joy of the Lord, his exact words. I didn't have much to say. And as I went home, I began to ponder the car ride home and I began to roll his words over and over and I began to compare how Fabio is treated versus how Fabio is about to treat this individual. And he demonstrated the exact fruit of the spirit that even those who don't deserve it, we are still called to give kindness and goodness to them and that we should be motivated to do it. But how do we do that? How do we get to that place in the spirit where we can look at those who rub us the wrong way, where we can look at those who feel that they have done unjust things to us, have said things to us that have verbally abused us, emotionally abused us, maybe even to the point of physical abuse, but that's another sermon in itself. But what do, we, what, do, what do we do with that? Well, I love what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go ahead and look there. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, this portion of Scripture is, is really amazing. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. Paul Paul is talking about being motivated by the very fruit of God's presence here. Paul's saying, look, you have access to the eternal riches of God, riches that go beyond materialism, a riches that are so deep that will strengthen you, that'll bring you to this place that you'll begin to comprehend how wide and how deep and how long the love of God really is for you. And once you get that, once it strikes your inner being, he says, this motivation will come up within you that you have to then give the same thing away. That you can no longer contain it, but you're just going to find ways to give it away. I'm a firm believer that we cannot encounter the true kindness and goodness of God without releasing it to others. This morning, I have a basket of fruit here. 
And yes, I have a corny smile on my face to go with this basket of fruit. See, this is kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. We all have a basket in the Spirit. Now, this is me making an illustration. This is not scriptural. So don't go looking for a basket in Scripture. But it's kind of like we have a basket in the Spirit that we are able to collect the fruit of the Spirit in that we can draw from as needed. And at the same time, God gives us that ability to give that fruit away. So when I want to, I can give my fruit over to, to my buddy Scars here. I can give an apple over here to my buddy Luke. And, you know, maybe I'm going to give a, a banana to my buddy Rick here. Mm, that looks delicious, huh? And maybe I'm going to take this here and uh, give this to Bob. There you go. You know what, Judy? I like you a little more than Bob. I'm going to give you this nice orange that's ripe. Yep. And you know what? I love Jesus so much, but sometimes Lucy, you know, rubs me the wrong way. So I'm going to give her this, you know, kind of disgusting tangerine. But, but anyway, and then, and then, but Gary, Gary, you know, man of God, love him so much. I'm going to give him this beautiful ripe pear. No, no, don't be choosy. I only have so much of the spirit to give out. And so anyway, I'm going to give Stacey because one of my favorites, you know, and, uh, you know, in the kingdom of God. And, and then I'm going to, and Matt's another one. And, and then here, we're friends kind of, so just, but I'm going to give you that rotten apple. Uh, and, and Patty, you're just wonderful. So I'm going to give you that orange, that nice ripe orange. Now, you know what's hilarious is how many of you got rotten fruit? Raise your hand. Yeah, some of you have to think about it. Like, <laughs> you can tell by the outer skin. It's disgusting. <laughs> How many of you got good fruit? Mm-hmm, right. You know what's funny? As Christ followers, we do that in the spirit. Did you hear my comments about when I was handing people fruit, what I was saying about them? Isn't that interesting? We might not tell them face to face, but in here and here, that's what we're saying. When we serve a God who exudes kindness and goodness, there can be no excuse to exist within us to withhold that fruit. But God, you just, <laughs> you just don't understand. If you would have been in the conversation and the way she gossiped about me, let me tell you what, you wouldn't be kind. God, if you only understood what my employer did to me. You know, my employer doesn't even know my family situation. And the nerve that he had to downgrade my pay. Why, why should I respect him? Why should I show him goodness and kindness? What else is he going to strip away from me? You just don't understand, God. We can't pick and choose who we give what to because that's not the character of the Holy Spirit. See, it's interesting because we carry our spiritual basket with us and we have certain fruit that's set aside for certain people, certain fruit of the Spirit. We walk into church, oh, there they are. You know what? I'm going to show them kindness and goodness. 
I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to show them joy. I'm going to be self-controlled. And then there's those other people that we get around and we shift our basket around and we're like, hey, how are you? Good. Praying for you. And we give them like that rotten fruit of the spirit. (laughs) Oh, hey, hey, I was thinking about you this week. Oh, great. Here he comes. Wonderful. Yeah, I was praying for you. I'm so excited. Yeah, I bet you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm praying for you too. Here's your rotten banana in the spirit. We don't do that, though. That's just an illustration. It's not the character of the Holy Spirit. If we are in step with the Spirit, if we are aligned with the Holy Spirit, then we are oozing out with goodness and kindness continuously because it's the reality of heaven. And the reality of heaven tells us that there is an overabundance of everything. Did you catch that? The reality of heaven always has an overabundance, more than we need. The word says that his grace is more than sufficient for us, more than what we need. It only took a drop of blood. It would have only taken a drop, a smidgen, a a, a little drip of the blood of Christ on that cross to annihilate every form of sin, but it was an overabundance that was poured out. And in the same manner, there was always an overabundance in heaven of every fruit of the spirit. Therefore, we will never run out. We continually overflow and therefore everyone should share in it, not just a select few. So we don't perform acts of kindness and goodness to be rewarded by God. And we don't perform acts of goodness and kindness so that we're recognized by others. The reason we release goodness and kindness is because it's an act of worship unto God. What if we could come to a place that the person that stands in front of us we can look right past them and we can exude kindness and goodness to them because we're so focused in a place of worship to God that we can stand in front of them and say, here's my joy, here's my patience, here's my goodness, here's my gentleness. Oh, Jesus, you are so awesome that I have the ability to give this away. What if we come to a place like that? How would our lives be? Probably a little bit different. What if that would be our response to our situation and not our reaction? Our reaction generally is carnal. It's the opposite of bringing heaven to earth. Our response or our our reaction generally is something that is earthly. And then later on, we're like, oh, whoops, duh. And we pull down that from heaven and then we come back with it. But what if our automatic response was worship to God and therefore we can pour out the fruit of the Spirit? 
once we are motivated by the Spirit, his kindness and goodness transform us. We can talk a really great talk. We can know all the right words. And I'm not talking about religion, just in general. We can have the right language. We can have the right conversations with the right people. But if there is no transformation on the inside, nothing will change. Let me repeat that one more time. We can have all the right language. We can know all the right stories. We can have all the right relationships and all the right conversation. But if there is not transformation with inside, nothing will ever change. In the same manner, the fruit of the Spirit is only manifested in our lives because we're choosing to live from the Spirit. See, living from the Spirit is a choice. I wish I could tell you that when you become a Christ follower, you just wake up the next morning and you're like, I'm living in the Spirit. Praise the Lord, you know? <laughs> like, I wish I could tell you that, and I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. Jesus gives us a choice in everything, and he says to us, you have to choose daily to walk in the Spirit. You have to choose daily to live from the Spirit. Look with me at Galatians 5, 24 and 25. Paul says this, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now get this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I like how Paul talks because he doesn't talk in a manner of like, hey, when you get to that place, let me know, and then I'll like tell you the rest. Paul always speaks to how Jesus sees us. That's what I love about Paul's writings. Paul never treats you like a spiritual dummy. How you doing there, buckaroo? How's my little Christian doing? Oh, you're getting there. You're getting there. And when you get there, I'm going to share some special little knowledge with you because you've earned it. Chip off the old block. That's not how Paul talks. Thank the Lord. We'd all still be sitting in our pews wondering when the Lord's going to release us to change lives. Paul speaks to who we are in Christ already. That's why he says right there, since we live by the Spirit. He doesn't say when you start to live by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit. Do you get that? Since we live, it's not past. It's not for the future. It's right now. You're living in the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. And transformation flows out of living by the Spirit, not by our logic. Living by the Spirit means we view everything from God's dimension. Little exercise for you. Take one day and tell the Lord, I'm going to view everything through your eyes. Every person you talk to, everywhere you go, even the annoying guy on his cell phone at the cashier register, at Wegmans, in the express aisle, who has more than 15 items. Okay? You're going to view it through the eyes of God. Not speaking from experience, just, you know, that's for somebody out here today. <laughs> but <laughs> 
Yes, it was me, people. (laughs) But what if you would start to view everything through the lens of God in one day? I think things might be viewed differently because we're beginning to view things from his dimension and not our own. When we sit with Jesus in heavenly places, that tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that when we sit with Jesus in heavenly places, we take on his viewpoint for everyone, including those who don't deserve it. I have discovered that I cannot live in a heavenly place with Jesus and choose how I want to view certain people. I have to view them all the same because if I am with Jesus, he only has one view. He does not have a divided view. And therefore, when I am in his presence, in a heavenly place, as scripture tells us, and what Paul says, therefore, I cannot do both. I have to either stay there and view the people that even I feel don't deserve to have his goodness or his kindness or be joyful or be self-controlled towards them. I have to either stay there and view it the way he does with joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and gentleness, and then act on that. Or I have to remove myself from that place and follow through with my own actions which will probably more than not generally reap destruction. When transformation occurs through the spirit, kindness and goodness no longer become an event driven, but they become a lifestyle as Christ followers. In the New Testament, if you read the life of Jesus, you will see there was this group of people that Jesus seemed to always be harping on. They're called the Pharisees. What's interesting about the Pharisees is at the time, they were saying what was right. They were really living according to the law. But it was the heart that Jesus was after. Everything to the Pharisees that they were doing was an event It was a, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at how I'm displaying this, look at how I'm giving, look at how how I'm worshiping God. That was the heart of the matter for them, and that's what Jesus was going after. And it's the same manner that when we get in step with the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, our heart begins to be transformed, and it no longer becomes an event of, hey, look at me when I raise my hands in church, or hey, look at me how much I'm giving in the offering. Hey, look at me that I went and I served these people. Look at me, look at me. It doesn't become that. It becomes this lifestyle that we're just oozing with overabundance of goodness and kindness that we're like, man, some of you experienced that last week when Pastor Jack stood up here and he says, look, We prayed, we believe we need to give $10,000 to Rock the Lakes. Some of you were living in that place of, not saying that all of you weren't, but I'm just saying some of you experienced that. You said, man, it's so deep within my spirit. I've been transformed by the Holy Spirit that this goodness and kindness, I got to do something with it. So there's a need. I'm just going to give it. And I don't care if I'm not recognized. That's what, what living in the spirit is all about. In that verse, Paul says to 
keep in step with the spirit. In the Greek, it's actually a military term. And it actually means for a soldier or soldiers who are marching. It means to come into alignment with your commander, with what's going on. And so in this picture, Paul is is saying to us, look, the commander at this point is the Holy Spirit. You've gotten your marching orders. Now step into alignment with everybody else and start marching. And so that's how we come into alignment with the Holy Spirit. And transformation begins to happen. We think kindly, we speak kindly, we act kindly towards others, and we extend that goodness, that glory of God. And then we develop a reservoir of kindness and goodness in all that we say and do. And maybe some of you here, you say, man, I'm, I'm obviously running dry. Like my reservoir is dry because of the way I'm responding to people the way I'm I'm responding mentally to people or verbally or with my actions. And you know what? It's going to happen. Physically, water eventually dries out if if, if there's not a continuous flow. And so spiritually, at the same time, we have to put ourselves into the presence of the Holy Spirit continuously so that that reservoir can keep going up and up and up. So that way we can then release it. And we want to live from that reservoir all the time. When we occupy the same space as the Holy Spirit, we begin to act the same way as the Holy Spirit. So we're able to be kind and we're able to be good when we're occupying that same space. If we want to flow in the Spirit, we have to drink of the character of heaven. If we want to flow in the spirit, we have to drink of the character of heaven. And once we're motivated and the journey of transformation begins, his kindness and his goodness empower us. You know, God's so funny because he'll use our experiences to teach us. You would think he'd come up with something new, but he doesn't. Every experience that we encounter is a moment that he's teaching us. Teaching us to go deeper. Teaching us how to display the fruit of the spirit into that moment. What he ultimately wants is that our fruit will match the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That all we have to offer is something fresh and good not something that's rotten and something that nobody wants and something that can't be consumed. What's funny is, is the longer we resist God in those moments, the longer it takes. So let me uh, give you a little piece of advice. The situation you're in, the longer you resist God, the longer it's going to be. The quicker you submit to God, the quicker it'll be. God believes in you so much, and he's so confident in you that you can accomplish his will in the earth and release his goodness and kindness. That's why he gave us the fruit of the Spirit. 
God is so confident in you. And he believes in you so much. And he gives us the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to deliver his will into the earth. God believes in you so much and he trusts you so much that he has given you the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to deliver his will into this earth. God believes in you so much and he trusts you so much that he has given you the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to deliver his will into the earth. God believes in you so much and trusts you so much that he has given you the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to deliver his will into the earth. Are you getting sick of hearing it yet? You shouldn't be because you have so many layers of discouragement that have been placed on you through the week, at your job, in your marriage, in your family, in relationships. There is just layers of layers that are crusted over and disgusting. And, and we begin to question it. God, do you really believe in me? Do you really have confidence? Do you even trust me? I'm a screw up. We just need to break through those layers sometimes. God believes in you so much and he trusts you and he is so confident in you. 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 Not your grandma, not your grandpa, not your brother, your sister, your mom, your aunt, your uncle, not your nephew, not your cousin, not the person beside you, not the person on the other side of the sanctuary. God trusts you and is confident in you and believes in you. And therefore he's given you the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to deliver his will into the earth. You. You. Now look at the person beside you and say, you. Man, does he trust you. And some of you right now have a religious spirit on you and you're like, well, if you only understood, if you only understood, if you only understood, God doesn't trust me and he sure as heck wouldn't trust that person over there. If you only knew, shut up. Goodness gracious. He trusts you and he loves you and he is confident in you. He smiles over you. Man, he smiles over you. If you could see the smile that he carries for us, you'd think it's like a big cheesy cartoon smile, but you know what? It's awesome. This awesome smile that he carries for us. Look with me as we wrap up here in Luke chapter 6, 35 through 38. Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. 
you'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Wow. It's pretty clear. When it comes to goodness, we have to remember that God put us here and empowered us to release blessing, not bring judgment. That's his job. That means as we, re- we walk in the Spirit, we release the fruit of the Spirit. And when we are with God, he is relentless in pouring out the fruit of the Spirit, which means when we come away from God's presence, we are relentless in pouring out the fruit of the Spirit. My mentor taught me this a long time ago. He said that, Every Christ follower has the ability to change the atmosphere wherever they go because of who lives within them. He said, you have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the earth, the beginning and the end, the almighty God living within you. You have the power and the ability because of what is within you and that you carry to change the atmosphere around you. He said, if if you want to walk in peace and live in peace, then walk into that room and let that peace just pour out of you because of the spirit of God within you. If you want joy, then walk in that room and begin to declare the joy of the Lord and watch the atmosphere begin to change. When I talk to him, sometimes I feel like I'm living in a sci-fi movie, but he's so scripturally grounded And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try him on this. I'm not just going to like listen to him and shake my head. I'm going to try him on this. And so intentionally, I have been walking into places, no matter where I go, when I have a moment to think to myself, I I go in and I will begin to declare an attribute of God. And when I walk in, things happen. And if you don't believe me, I want you to try it. You walk into a place, Jesus, I'm just declaring your joy in this place. I thank you that the joy of the Lord is resident in here. I thank you that every cashier, every baker, every stock person that's stocking those shelves, every person pushing a car is joyous today. I thank you that they know your happiness. And the catch is, is you have to display the same thing. It doesn't work the opposite. God, I thank you for joy. All right, I can't find those black beans. They're on my list. I've been down three aisles already. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, somebody had the nerve to find the black beans. Okay, it doesn't work like that. 
If we are declaring the joy of the Lord, then we live the joy of the Lord. But I'm going to encourage you to push your spiritual boundaries a little bit and begin to go into places. Imagine what would happen. We come here on a Sunday morning, and instead of it's just all, I hope I like the worship. I hope I like the songs that are my favorite that they play. Or I hope it's, you know, one of my favorite pastors preaching. I hope it's somebody who does the offertory the way I like it. You know, instead of coming in like that, what if we just came in and said, God, man, I'm here this morning, and I just thank you. First, I thank you that I have the ability to be here. Not only that, I thank you that, mm, that your, your gentleness is thick in this place. I thank you that, that your joy just resonates in here. Imagine what it would be like. Because the beauty of all of this is that God is so good and so kind that his plan is for us to share the fruit of the Spirit with everyone even those who don't deserve it. Because his brilliant plan is that it would be an act of worship unto him. Would you stand with me? On your handouts, if you didn't get one, we have them available at the West Service Center. But on your handouts, it says, live it out section. This week, I wanna challenge you to live this out and simply follow these guidelines Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to walk in the Spirit. If you're serious about it, he'll show you, and he'll mess you up in a good way. Read Galatians 5, 16 through 25 every day this week. Just read it. doesn't matter. You don't need to spend an hour. Just open up your Bible. Read it. Trust me. God will do something. Next thing is ask the Holy Spirit to show you where God is good and kind to you daily. Write down the experience and then thank him for each encounter. And then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a daily opportunity to release goodness and kindness to others. Now let's do a quick live it out recap. I was talking with some of the guys on staff and I said this the other day. I said, you know, if we are actually doing the live it outs on a weekly basis, Like we're actually doing what is on the handout on a weekly basis. Heavenly transformation should be happening among us. Things should start to look different in a good way. I'm just throwing that out there. That if we all would begin to like do these like what it says, I wonder what would begin to happen. Now, we're telling you from, from truth here, we just don't get to the end of our message and say, oh, yeah, we need something to fill in space. Uh, live this out. <laughs> we pray about it. We think about it. We intentionally put down there what we sense the Spirit of God is saying. And so just to recap, Is it possible that we could just do that? Like, really do what's on here and then live it out? Yeah, actually practice your faith. Just something to think about. But you know what? Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much. We just thank you for just just in general for who you are. 
God, just when we think we get a glimpse and just when we begin to get comfortable in knowing who you are, you show us a new facet of you and you just blow us away. Lord, I, I just, I ask that you would be our strength to really live out this fruit of the Spirit. Father, even on those days that we don't feel like it, you still display it to us. And Father, even those that we feel don't deserve it, I pray that you would work on all of us individually, show us what that means to you, and then how to display it. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your commitment to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have an exciting week.